But this morning, I wanted to start with a question. I couldn't really ask questions when I'm here recording at the building by myself. But my question is going to sound like it's unrelated. But we'll get there. It will connect. And so anyone can respond, anyone can answer from your seat. But my question is, what is an amendment? What is an amendment? Anybody? A change. That's excellent. Anybody else? A change from the original agreement. A change from the original agreement. All right. What's that? An adjustment. An adjustment. All right. You guys are hitting it. I've needed you to respond. While I was here by myself. That's exactly what amendment means. We might go into our heads into the idea of a government's constitution and the amendments that have been made, and but in its at its source, an amendment is a change made to a law or an agreement. An amendment we can add parts. An amendment can remove parts. And an amendment can update parts of this law or this contract. But its purpose is to make changes for the better. We make or would make amendments to improve as Emmanuel said, what was originally written. And I believe as I read through this story and through my own experience that throughout the story of God, this is what the people of God have tried to do with God's word, with his law, with his commands. They have tried to make amendments. This is what we as a church have tried to do at different times as followers of Jesus. I believe we continue to do this. We, we want to make adjustments. We want to make changes. We want to make additions or remove certain parts of God's Word so that it is better, so that we think it might improve it. And we may not admit that. It may not be something that we do intentionally. But as you look through history, as you look at different cultures, this is something that is consistent. That we repeatedly make human amendments to God's Word. As we started a few weeks ago with Mark 12, when Jesus was approached by the Pharisees asking, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest law for us to follow? 
And Jesus responded by connecting this idea of loving God and loving others. He said, this is the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that is a simple idea. But it's so, so difficult to live out. We can all understand that, but we can't all live that. In our own strength, we try and we try, we make efforts, but we can't live that out. It's simple, but it is difficult. And we tend to think, well, that needs some amending. It needs an amendment. We need to adjust it. We need to change that. According to our perspectives, according to our experiences. Because to follow this idea of loving God and loving others, we would have that would impact every area of our lives. And following that command makes everything, everything about others. It makes everything about God or about others, not about me. It doesn't say love yourself with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your soul. It says love God and love your neighbor as you would love yourself. That's difficult. I don't enjoy that. That doesn't sound great to me. Then my life is going to be about loving God and loving others. What about me? Let's make some amendments. Let's make some adjustments. And as broken humans, we prefer much more specific directions. It might be more complex, but when we do that, when we add to, adjust, take from, it becomes more manageable for us, and it ultimately makes doing that about us. We take what God has designed and God has given us to be about Him and to be about others, and we make amendments to it and ultimately make it about us. And I think this reality that leads us to make these amendments, we sometimes hide them or sometimes create them in our traditions. The traditions that we share, the traditions that we understand and have been taught to us from our culture, from our church culture, from whatever our background, whatever our experience, we've seen these traditions. And I'm not saying all traditions are bad, but within these traditions, it's easy to make these adjustments and these amendments that make it not about God, not about others, but about me. We've create traditions to add, to remove from, to update parts of God's law. The parts we think need improving. And we saw this when we looked at Mark 7 last time. When Jesus confronted the Pharisees. Because what? Because they had taken their traditions and they had substituted them for the commands of God. Right? They, they had taken their traditions as Pharisees and they had substituted them and claimed them to be God's truth. And were requiring people to follow these traditions. The passage said they were teaching man-made ideas as if they were commands from God. 
They made amendments, they created them as traditions, and then they taught them as God's truth. This has been happening, this is happening, and this will continue to happen. But it results in hypocrisy. The passage said it results in this worthless worship. Their efforts, their actions, their words were worthless. It, it did not love God. It did not demonstrate love for others. Our words and our actions to God don't reflect our true hearts. And it also resulted in not loving others. Those traditions, those amendments, eventually demonstrate the self-focus and the self-love in our hearts. Everybody with me? Makes sense. This issue is not with Jesus. This issue is not with God's word. It's not what God has spoken to us. It's not how God has intervened and, and participated and walked with us. The issue is not with God. The issue is with us. His word doesn't need amending. His word doesn't need adjustments. We do. We need to be changed. We need to be transformed. We need to submit to His Word, to the commands. This idea to love God and love others. We need to submit to that. And so we must consider what is going on inside us, in our hearts. How is it that we have focused on loving ourselves before God? How is it that we have focused on loving ourselves before others? What are the ways in which we do that? How have we made adjustments to God's command, this clear command that Jesus connected, that Jesus gives to us, the church? How have we made adjustments to put ourselves before God and ourselves before others? We have to look inside. We have to look at our hearts. We have to look deep. And I believe a story in Luke 11 can help us do that. To help us look inside. And so I want us to listen with a readiness to respond. And I want us to prepare by placing ourselves in the story. Now, in this story is Jesus and a Pharisee. Now, I want you to place yourself in this story. So I'm asking you now, who are you going to identify with? Jesus or the religious Pharisee? Okay, if you're going to identify with Jesus, raise your hand. We want to. But if we're going to identify with a religious Pharisee, raise your hand. Nobody's going to identify with anyone, huh? So, undecided. So, that's the point. This is a narrative. This is a story. We need to put ourselves in this story and be a part of it. 
And I'm going to tell you, as we're trying to look inside ourselves, that you need to put yourself in the situation of the Pharisee. That's who I want us to identify with. That's who I want us to see and to hear through the lens of this Pharisee as Jesus is talking. This religious Pharisee, okay? Because if you are here, you're religious. That's how the world sees us. That's the reality. We're here together, gathered together, singing praises to God, preaching His Word, listening to sermons, being together, loving one another. We're religious. Okay? Jesus is an example, but I want you to identify with the Pharisee. All right, so who are we going to identify with? The Pharisee. All right? All right, so let me read Luke 11, verse 37 through 42. As you guys listen and identify, I'll read it first in English and then read it in Spanish. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. All right, so let's consider the story. Where did Jesus go? Into the Pharisees' home. Jesus enters into the context, into the life, into the culture, into this relationship at the table to interact with, to teach the religious. It's not a staged event. It's not this planned setting. He's invited into his home in relationship. He enters in and he has this conversation. He engages in relationship. And I would tell you, this is Jesus' primary way in which he ministers. Not from a stage, not from a planned setting, but in life, through relationships. And as Jesus comes in, it says what he doesn't do. He doesn't wash his hands. It's a ceremonial washing of his hands. This was the same issue that we studied last time in Mark 7. It was not about hygiene. It was about being ceremonial, ceremonial, ceremonially clean. To be pure. To be spiritually right. You needed to complete this. This was a tradition. This was an amendment that the Pharisees had made. And Jesus comes in and just takes his seat at the table. He doesn't follow their cultural, their religious traditions. And then in verse 39. Or what happens to the host? How is, how is the host respond? I mean, yeah, the host. How does the Pharisee respond? 
responde Faisal. Says he's amazed. He's 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 like dumbfounded. He doesn't know what to think, what to do. He cannot believe that Jesus would come in and not participate to this with this tradition, this amendment that had been made. And then Jesus sees this and confronts him. He confronts this man who was keeping this religious tradition. And Jesus again uses the context of the moment. He uses the meal in front of him to teach, to respond. He references the cup and the dish to call out the hypocrisy of the Pharisee. The outside doesn't match the inside. The outside has the appearance of cleanliness and purity, but the inside is filthy. The inside is a mess. The inside is self-focused and evil. Now, who are we identifying with again? The Pharisees. Okay, so receive these words. Let's process through them. Verse 40, you fools. You're thinking and you're acting without any self-awareness, without any actual understanding of God. Like You don't even know what you're doing. You don't even understand how you've taken this tradition and how you've twisted it and how you've made it not about God, not about others, but about you. You, you can't even see it. Okay, We didn't want to identify with the Pharisees because we're not aware. We, we can't see these things in our lives that are hypocritical. The things that on the inside don't match the outside. Your words, your actions don't match your heart. Now, if there is someone here that always, every day, every time, every relationship, your words and your action match your heart, you're wasting your time gathering with us. Because my words and my actions don't always match my heart. What's on the inside? And I know, everyone that I know and that I interact with regularly, I know if I know them deeply and intimately that there are times when their words and their actions don't match their heart. And most of the times, we're not very aware of that. Because we've made adjustments. We've made an adjustment to see the situation differently, to feel differently, so that we don't even understand ourselves and we don't understand what God has told us. But Jesus confirms that God made and God is concerned with both the inside and the outside. In verse 41, Jesus doesn't just point it out. He doesn't just point out and confront the error and the hypocrisy and the Pharisee. He actually redirects them. 
He actually corrects him. He actually shares truth with him. Again, at the table, in a relationship, as he's sitting enjoying a meal with the Pharisee. Not from afar, not from some platform, not yelling from the other side of the street, but with him in relationship, in connection with others, we're able to receive this. And he redirects him. And what does he say that he should do to clean the inside? What does Jesus say? What does Jesus tell this Pharisee? To give, to give to the poor. Does giving to the poor have anything to do with him? But it has everything to do with God's heart, it has everything to do with others. He redirects them. And the result is that you would be clean all over. That we are purified. As we love someone other than ourselves. We are purified as we love God and as we love others. That cleans the inside. That changes and transforms us on the inside. That, that if we love God and we love others, then our hearts will grow to reflect this love for God and this love for others. You can't change the inside and then go love God and then go love others. You love God, you love others, and you are changed and transformed in the process. I think in our traditions, we've made the amendment Right? That you need to work on yourself, you need to get everything right before you can even come to and participate with religious people. Right? Before I'm going to come to church, I've got to stop doing what I've been doing. Or as I'm in church, I just need to work on myself, work on myself, work on myself, work on myself. So that I can then love God better and love others. But I think that's backwards. We're to love God. We're to love others. And as we do that, God changes the inside. God transforms us. And so as we process this story, we're not reading it to gain religious information. We're not reading it to be entertained but we're considering it so that we can listen and respond to hear to listen and to respond what God is telling us through his word through the spirit and that we would see ourselves in the story so I want us to think for us I want us to make application for us if Jesus entered our lives, if Jesus entered into our homes, if Jesus entered into this place, as He came amongst us as the church, as we gather together, I want you to think about. Imagine. Consider what traditions and amendments to his commands do we have and do we hold on to that he would ignore 
and that he would not even participate in. What do we do amongst ourselves and what do we do together that Jesus would just overlook, would ignore and would confront us about, about these traditions, these amendments that we've made? What religious things do we think, what religious things do we do that would lead Jesus to call us fools? Think. Imagine. What would Jesus say? How would he respond if he walked in here now amongst us? If he watched our lives together, if he watched our lives day in and day out? What would he say about the outside and the inside? And if you think there's nothing in your life, if you think there's nothing in our lives that Jesus would confront, then we are fools. And so I want to give us a framework to consider this more. I want us to consider this for ourselves. The outside of the cup is what we do for our own benefit. It's a focus on yourself. On the outside, what looks good but it leads to filthiness. The outside of the cup is what we do for our own benefit. For my benefit and for my benefit alone. The inside of the cup, the inside, is what we do for the benefit of God and the benefit of others. It's a focus on others, God and your neighbors. And that leads to purity. That leads to transformation on the inside. So consider in your life, consider in our lives together as a church. What are the things that we do for our own benefit? What are the things that we do for the benefit of God and the benefit of others? Now, I've been thinking through this. And I think it's important to share because we have not been physically together. This is new. This is a change to actually come together, to see each other, to be able to interact with each other, to make a presentation before one another as we begin to share life together in a new way again. Right? We start to interact with each other. We start to show what? The outside. 
And as we do that, I don't want us to go right back just to being what we think we should be and how we should act and what we should say. And yet on the inside, it doesn't match. I've gone through that myself just considering about standing here and preaching today. How is this going to go? What is it going to appear like? How am I going to do preaching and, and, and sharing in front of live people versus a camera? And I can't hit stop and I can't restart. And I'm not alone, so I can't just say whatever I want to say when I do mess up. And I'm thinking through all the ways that I do this differently when you're not here. And how do I uh, present, how do I speak when you are here? And what changes in the things that I do, the things that I say? My outside may be different, but my inside is the same. And so these are some things that I think are struggles for us. Specifically as we gather together, as we share life together, as we live as the church. We don't share our lives when we're together. We're not authentic. We cover up the inside with the outside when we're together. We put on a show. We don't show our struggles. We don't talk about our brokenness in all areas of our lives. There are things that have happened in our past. There are things that are happening in our present that we put outside, we put separate. We don't want to demonstrate that. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want people to know the reality and the truth of what is actually going on or what, what's happening on the inside. If you are not known deeply by others, you will not change significantly. If you are not known by others, you will not be transformed. If you are not known by God and you are not known by others, you won't be transformed. And not only does this inauthenticity prevent transformation in our lives, it doesn't just impact us. It impacts our neighbors. When we don't when we're not transparent, when we're not authentic with each other, it communicates a lack of humility and a lack of welcome to others. 
If I'm not real about my issues, why would someone outside the church with issues want to come and be a part of this family with their issues if I'm projecting that I have no issues and I don't even share issues with you who are my church brothers and sisters, my family in Christ? But I won't be transparent. I won't be authentic. I'll cover up with the outside while the inside is a mess. Do we think that Jesus and the Holy Spirit cannot transform us? Do we think that, that His grace is not sufficient for our issues? We have to be authentic with one another or else we will not change. And we will prevent others from joining this family. We'll prevent, we'll keep people from the kingdom of God because why, how can I be a part of the kingdom of God if I've got all these issues? I can't be a part of all these people who don't have issues. Or I need to cover up my issues to be a part of the family of God. It doesn't just impact us, it impacts others. When we are inauthentic and when we refuse to share we should know the mess in each other's lives we should be walking through that with each other we should be encouraging each other through that we will not be transformed if we are not known deeply by God and by each other I think also when we get together, we tend to passively participate. We don't intentionally engage with each other. A lot of our traditions, the traditions particularly here, has been within our culture, within the church culture, within the dominant church culture in this country, is that you come and you passively participate. That you come and you, you, you're, you're seen and you find a seat and you do your best not to fall asleep or look like you're struggling not to fall asleep in the service. You stand up, you sit down, you listen, and then you leave, and you go home, or go eat, etc. We passively participate, and we feel good about that. We don't come to the service to serve. We come to the service to be served. And if we resist, if we hesitate to actively participate, if we question the value in that, if we don't believe that there's value in participating with one another as we come together, as his family, why would anyone, again, outside the church, want to make any effort to participate? If we come and we just passively participate, we're not actively engaged with one another, why would someone outside want to come in and passively participate when we don't? Engage in any greater way. 
It affects us, it affects our neighbors. When we're together, it is our sacrificial love for each other. Our sacrificial love, that's active engagement, serving one another as we come together. That's what Jesus says the world will see. They'll see that love that we have for one another when we gather together, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's in household communities, whether it's during the week as we connect with each other. They're going to see our service, our care, our love, our sacrifice for one another. And that's how the world will know who Jesus is. So if the world, if our neighbor who does not know Jesus comes in amongst us and just sees us, passively participating will they see the love of Jesus amongst us will they know who Jesus is by the way that we love each other as we passively participate I don't think so but that's an amendment we've made somehow we've, we've removed that little part and we can all gather together and we don't have to demonstrate Jesus right we talk about that we would proclaim Jesus and we would worship Jesus and we would demonstrate Jesus when we gather together we have to think about that how is it when we gather together do we demonstrate Jesus how do we serve and sacrifice for one another in every situation where we gather in every situation where we share life that love will not be demonstrated passively Jesus didn't love us passively Jesus didn't participate with us passively he engaged. We can also look to the outside, focus on the outside by focusing on our appearance and the appearance of others. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with ourselves. How do I look? How do I appear? What am I going to project? What are people going to think about when they see me? But I think this Pharisee was pretty worried about what others did, how he saw others and how he, how he saw them and their appearance. There is legalism that we have all experienced in our different church cultures, in our culture, about our appearance, about how we present, about what we look like, about how we wear our hair, about the length of our hair, about the, our hair color, about tattoos, about the lack of shoes, having shoes or not having shoes, piercings, all different things that we think are, quote, normal, that we've made traditions, that we've made expectations, that we've added to this idea of how our appearance should look and reflect if we are following Jesus in some way, but they become about us and not about God and not about others. You might think, well, that's 
not an issue for us. We're pretty relaxed, we're pretty comfortable. Wouldn't anyone feel comfortable to come in? But at times I have had people question and struggle with their participation in this church because of hair color, because of tattoos, because of shoes or not having shoes, because of smells, of those leading the service, of those participating during the service. There are specific situations where that has been an issue for people as we gather. That, that we walk in and we assess. We walk in and we assess each other based on our appearance. We assess ourselves on how we present. And when you look at each other to assess them, you are comparing yourself. It's so that you can feel good or that you can make sure that you fit in appropriately. It becomes about you and not about God and not about others. If that's a concern for us, again, how would our neighbor feel as they walk in? If we don't wrestle with that, if we don't acknowledge that, if we can't let go of these traditions about our appearances, we're communicating to those outside the church that their appearance must change in order to identify with Jesus. If that is our focus, that's what we communicate. And we can even do what looks good on the outside. We can do what looks like it's for others with selfish reasons, with selfish motivations. We can work on our anger issues with each other. As we interact with each other, sometimes there's confrontations. Sometimes there's issues. Any of you that have sat down with Nidia and I to talk about marriage, we share that our goal at the end of marriage counseling is that you could fight well. Because you're going to fight. You're going to have issues. You're going to have confrontations. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond as you walk through those issues? And we can try and address our anger issues with others, not because we care and love for those that we're angered at, but because I don't want to look a fool looking angry. Okay? I'm not going to continue to be angry on the outside because I'll look foolish and it looks like I'm loving my neighbor. It looks like I'm loving you if I don't continue in my anger on the outside, but I continue with it on the inside. I'm not doing it. I'm not dealing with my anger because I love you and because I care about you and I don't want you to be the recipient of my response when I'm angry. It's not that. It's that it would be wrong and I don't want to look foolish. I need to keep up my appearance. 
We can claim a shallow forgiveness with each other. Not because we want to be reconciled with each other, but because I don't want to feel guilty about my resentment. So I will forgive you. Not because I desire to be reconciled, but because I don't want to feel this resentment. I'll take care of the outside. I'll ignore the inside. I hope that we believe this. I hope that we would receive this word. That we would understand in our brokenness that we are hypocrites. That our outside does not match our inside. And that Jesus, as we follow him, he wants to deal with that. He wants to transform that. But we have to be real about that. We have to be humble about that. We have to acknowledge that reality. And as he approached the Pharisee, the Pharisee had no idea. As we read God's word, we may have no idea. As we interact with each other, we may have no idea. But we need to be willing to listen to God's word, listen to him speak to us, and listen to him share to us through other people, through our church family. So that we could hear, that we could listen, and that we could respond, and that we could address some of these issues on the inside by moving to loving God and loving others. That that would be the order. But we have to humbly admit that we have problems. I have a problem. This is my issue. And I make amendment after amendment after amendment every day to make myself feel better or look better on the outside. And I want us just to let go of that to be authentic, to engage with God and with each other and trust Him to do that work in us for our good, for His glory and for the good of this neighborhood. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank You that You in love for us in such a way that you would come and become one of us. That you would sacrifice for us, that you would serve us with your life and through your death on the cross. Jesus, we needed your grace. We continue to need your grace. And we will always need your grace. Jesus, thank you for walking with us. Thank you that you would enter into relationship with us, that you are present with us. Holy Spirit, that you do not leave us. And I pray 
that you would give us understanding of our issues on the inside and that you would give us faith to address them not by making amendments not by making adjustments or adding to your word your command but by loving you God with all of our heart with all of our soul with all of our strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves help us supernaturally to do that make us a community of humility make us a community of welcome make us a community that is willing to engage and walk with anyone in any situation struggling with anything through your power trusting you Jesus we ask this in Jesus name Amen